0: Welcome to IB Talk, the leading podcast for the insurance industry across Australia, New Zealand, and throughout the Asia-Pacific region, brought to you by Insurance Business. Welcome back to IB Talk. I'm Danny Wood, News Editor of Insurance Business Australia. Today, we're joined by Matthew Bates, Managing Director of Bell Partners Insurance. Matthew's 10-person brokerage is based in Sydney. We're going to look at some of the insurance challenges he's facing and focus a little on cyber issues. Welcome, Matthew. Good morning, Danny. Now, when we spoke, I think it was the middle of last year, you just invited the underwriters you work with to an opening night screening of Maverick, that sequel to the classic Top Gun movie. And I can't resist this question because Tom Cruise's latest Mission Impossible movie is out and there's that incredible motorbike stunt that he does himself and I mean I know you don't specialise in insurance coverages for film crews and movie stars, but as a broker and a Tom Cruise fan, um, how do you see that stunt and its insurance and risk management implications?
1: Great question, Danny, and uh, I haven't yet to see the movie. Uh, We also got Barbie coming out, which I understand a a lot of uh, people (laughs) are attending uh, tonight, actually, uh, for the premiere. And then one I'm looking forward to from a movie point of view uh, on the back of Top Gun from an old movie being recreated is going to be Gladiator 2, which I understand is due at the end of 2024. Is Russell Crowe in that one?
0: Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay okay i guess he's dead isn't he so they they, they, have to, they were thinking of bringing him back in some strange way but i guess that didn't work
1: no no I, <laughs> I heard originally it might have been a prequel but uh but in this instance it's going to be a sequel his life after and uh anyway we'll we'll see and uh maybe that could be our next underwriting event stay tuned
0: yeah so what do you make of that stunt
1: um the the stunts in movies are, are fascinating uh you know from an insurance perspective i mean as you say, I'm not a specialist in film crews and, and, and movie star entertainment. Uh, the stunt side of things, I can imagine the risk management report would be quite lengthy, quite detailed and have to understand so many different scenarios of what could go wrong uh, to not only the talent uh, the and the uh, production staff, but to to any spectators that might be available as part of the uh the uh, set. So it's a, it's a sort of a very high level of risk management required for those stunts, uh, whether they be, uh, you know, uh, I guess back screen done or, or, or in done in real life, which we know Tom uh, is a big fan of doing his own work.
0: Let's get back to, to reality now and the sort of industries that, that you focus on. What are some of the insurance challenges you're dealing with right now?
1: I, I think the one and uh, that's sort of top of mind for me is staff staffing. Um, I I really was interested in the article and podcast that I think you did recently with Gillian Davidson and trying to attract young talent to the industry. It's a bit of a passion of mine um, in not only attracting experienced staff, but also attracting new talent. And I know NEBA, our professional uh, body and organisation, does a lot in that space. uh, And and you certainly see uh, past and current presidents trying to attract uh, new staff to the industry. So we've got now three young broker assistants who have had no insurance experience and i'm proud that we've employed them and are going to take them on the journey with their uh, insurance careers
0: can i ask you a question on that one because that that is a it is a very current issue isn't it and i just noticed just before we started speaking you've obviously i suppose in some ways you're dealing with this issue your your brokerage has grown by a couple of people since we spoke Uh, i mean so what What are the challenges in bringing on those three youngsters who have no experience? I imagine they're bright and bushy-tailed but need a bit of nurturing.
1: Absolutely. Um, I I guess from a business point of view, there there is a bit more input and effort that is required by the leadership team to take those younger talents under your wing um, and try and have a uh, a, a, – I'm not going to say graduate program because they're they're more than graduates, but having a development plan – over a three, six and 12 month period to enable and have milestones in their career. As we know with insurance, it's not just motor vehicles and home insurance that we see generally advertised on TV at night. The depth and breadth of our industry is is like the iceberg. What you see above the water is nothing like what's underneath with the information and detail. So we've set up a bit of a plan to have a staged approach um, with the three uh, broker assistants in our business that they get to learn the basics first so ideally they learn to you know crawl before they obviously uh, walk
0: and so what have you got them doing now are they are they following your more experienced staff around or are they sort of independently doing stuff as well
1: A bit of both. Um, Great question. Um, There is uh, the two team leaders in our business, and and, and aside from myself as managing director, we're we're actively trying to spend time in developing them uh, and shadowing some of the work that we're doing and bringing them across some of our risks and new business submissions and claims so they understand the technical side uh, over time, obviously. And the other side, yeah, independently, uh, they're starting to do the pre-renewals, they're starting to do the administrative tasks of, you know, certificate of current, and reading through client files to start to understand, well, why is a real estate
0: risk different to a entertainment venue risk? Let's talk about some other challenges as well. Um, what are some other insurance challenges you're dealing with right now?
1: Insurers' uh, response times um, and capacity still tend to be uh, uh, a little bit on the nose, dare I say. Uh, I, I know as an industry Uh, We've certainly had a a, a tough period, uh, COVID and pandemic aside, uh, with all the catastrophic events here in Australia and let alone the world. Um, But generally, the response times uh, of most of the insurers uh, and agencies, uh, for that matter, uh, are certainly not as attractive as they once were a a few years ago, whether that's a, a combination of the the working for home not being able to attract talent hence the point above um uh, it's certainly affecting our business that um when clients want to go on risk or want to research a, a, a you know opportunity to take out a policy class we certainly wouldn't be able to do a same day turnaround for some classes anymore um which can in fact affect customer service and trying to manage client expectations so that's still a challenge the second part around capacity. I think we're seeing some slight movement from the, the very hard markets that we've seen in the last couple of years, but it is definitely dependent on policy class. And one example of that, Danny, is if I think of professional indemnity in the design and construction, construction space, um, whilst there are a couple of insurers that are still offering uh, terms and opportunities for construction clients within DNC space, one of the insurers, Allianz, in this instance, is not now taking on any new business under that DNC risk. So as a broker, we've got to be very much up to speed with the fast-changing appetites and capacity of insurers because from one month to another, it can change, like that example I've just provided.
0: Cyber insurance um, can be another tricky area for everyone involved in that space, and cyber attacks continue in Australia, but the stats seem to show that many SMEs don't actually have cyber cover. I mean, what sort of reasons are you getting from your clients about you know why they don't have that coverage?
1: That is a really passionate uh, question. Uh, well, I'm passionate about, I should say, cyber. Um, cyber I'm passionate I, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, cyber is one of those policies that if you think of the how connected the world is now, and we're talking to each other now via obviously a platform uh, on our laptops, etc. Um, it can affect all of us, you know, day in day out. We're lucky that a lot of our SME clients have listened to our advice over the last number of years, and and our penetration rights are sound. I'm not going to say great, uh, or probably even I'm not going to say good. I think there's a lot of work still to be done as an industry, again, around education to a lot of clients. What are we hearing? We're hearing cost is certainly a barrier to entry, uh, especially as cyber premiums have certainly moved north uh, year in year out the last three to four years for good reason. As we continue to understand the the, the intent of the policy and what what is claimable, um, we're also hearing that I've got an IT uh, vendor that looks after all my IT, and she'll be right. Uh, sort of attitudes of insureds. Um, we're also you know hearing that. Uh, If we had a cyber incident and my laptop didn't work, um, uh, there's no real interruption or loss to my business. Um, So education becomes really important to clients like that one I just mentioned uh, that might be, you know, uh, not sitting on a lot of data uh, as such in their eyes. They don't have an e-commerce site or or a shopping cart. and therefore, they're not seeing the loss as badly as if I was a, uh, a 90% online e-commerce business, uh, if they were crippled from their systems. Um, so I think that there's a myriad of reasons why people aren't taking out the coverage. But I think the big one comes back to the, again, the education of clients and making them aware of a what the cover is available under a cyber liability or cyber event insurance policy um, and just as much as making them aware of the risk mitigation that they can put in place. If they choose not to take out a policy, things like multi-factor authentication uh, on their devices, things like dual verification of any payment uh, payments made to vendors, suppliers, employees uh, are, are made. Um, as two examples of of education that we're providing our clients should they choose not to uh, take out a policy. But every year we continue to uh, uh, inform our clients of changes or case studies around claims as a reason why they should consider it in their programs.
0: Uh, in, in insurance business we've spoken to a, a few cyber experts and at least one or two of them have sort of taken fire at the insurance industry and and called it immature in the cyberspace. I mean when you're trying to sell policies to to customers, I mean, do you do you feel that there's there's good choices out there? Is it is it is it very expensive? Because that's another thing that I've heard or or is it possible to find something that a an SME could actually purchase and be happy with without sort of selling their house at the same time? Well, I think it comes back to Danny, like anything in life, the value
1: exchange of the information you're providing to a client. You know, if if I said to you, um, this is going to cost you $100, but you don't actually know what I'm giving you for $100, that might sound expensive. Whereas if you educate your clients around the coverage on a cyber policy, um, I still believe uh, in our brokerage and a lot of our clients that are listening to our advice and thankful that they're taking out a policy, that it is still... Um, somewhat cost-effective in some areas, generally more in that smaller micro SME to smaller SME type businesses that are in a fairly generic industry. As I said, like you know, real estate uh, as one example, you know, cafe restaurants, hospitality generally. Where it gets tricky is obviously uh, around high data firms such as accounting firms, legal practices, healthcare it all depends on the value of the data generally. And I'm certainly, you know, I'm not an, an underwriter and, and, and having the information at my fingertips, but the, if the power of the data is available to sell or move on uh, at, a, at, a, at a higher rate than somebody's middle name, for example, um, those industries are finding that the premiums are higher. The second industry example where it is not cost prohibitive, but certainly a consideration uh, is certainly around manufacturing industries. As more and more machinery is coming online, uh, we're finding manufacturers that have those machines that are connected to the internet uh, are seen as a high risk uh, to cyber insurers and they're charging accordingly for that risk. So it's a a huge cross-section, just like our brokerage from dealing with micro SMEs up into the mid-market clients. There's a big spread of premiums, but I'd like to summarise my answer by if we've given good advice uh, to the client around what the policy is coveraging, a a, a number of our clients are taking that advice and incepting a cyber policy in their programs.
0: Mm. I'll just ask you one more question before I let you get back to more serious things. But, um, I mean, is the cyber insurance market, do you you see it as being – like selling more conventional forms of insurance, because I, I, we had um, uh, someone else on insurance business who has proposed the idea of a cyclone insurance pool, you know, much much like the sorry, a, yeah, a cyber insurance pool, much like the cyclone insurance pool, because it's becoming an issue that can't be dealt with arguably by the industry on its own. I mean, do you do you do you see that as a possibility, or or are you happy with the way it's kind of coming out as a as a market at the moment?
1: At this point in time, though, no, I'm happy with the market. There are uh, a number of choices available. It's not like we have a limited coverage of two or three insurers, Danny. There, there are, uh, you know, up to a dozen or so that I can think of the top of my head right now that are offering some form of coverage. Uh, obviously, like anything, there are differences in every single one of them, and different pricing structures in every single one of them. I, I think at this at this point, if cyber continues on its trajectory of increases, information, knowledge, and understanding of the claims that have been presented over the next few years, um, then potentially uh, there could be some merit and discussions around uh, government intervention, uh, et et cetera. But at this point in time, no, I think that as a commercial product, um, every client could make an informed decision based on what's available to them. There are certainly, when you look at the, the cyclone pool and the property insurances for the, you know, parallel, above the 26th parallel in North Queensland and, 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 and et cetera, um, that is a challenging property market. And those premiums are certainly well in, a, in excess and above for SME clients in cyber, in my opinion, um, than what I could get cyber for.
0: Matthew Bates, Managing Director of Bell Partners Insurance in Sydney. Always nice to talk with you. Thanks for spending some time with IB Talk.
1: Thanks, Danny. Appreciate the opportunity as always.
0: Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts.